From time to time, we will bring you a repeat show. This is an episode from our extensive back catalogue, resurfacing some of the ideas and thoughts from the past that we believe are still relevant and well worth revisiting. In this UX podcast classic, we learn about the complexities of elevator design, lots of food for thought and things to keep in mind for the next time we decide to critique an elevator button panel. UX podcast episode 291. You're listening to UX Podcast, coming to you from Stockholm, Sweden. We are your hosts, James Roy Lawson. And Per Axbom. With listeners in 175 countries, from Sri Lanka to India. Now, this is an episode that will be valuable to all designers, but also to anyone who has ever ridden in an elevator. Or as James would say, a lift. <laughs> we are joined by Reta Ranne and Jussi Hiltunen, both senior UX design specialists at Kone in Finland. Kohn, I'm going to say Kohn, um, is a global leader in the lift, uh, okay, elevator and escalator industry. <laughs> and they also work with autowalks, turnstiles, doors, and various different software and applications related to them. And in this interview, we'll learn more about the research, uh, timelines, life cycles, and cultural challenges of bringing elevators from ideas to buildings. Thank you for joining us. And just, can you just briefly introduce yourselves and your job titles? Uh, yes. So I'm Reta Ranne, and I'm working as a senior user experience specialist. So basically, I'm doing user research in different R&D projects. I'm Jussi Hildwen. Uh, I'm designing the user experiences. So started working as a GUI designer, but then this... Uh, uh, Scope has evolved, and nowadays it's the user experience, the field. So uh, really much uh, uh, hands-on design doer, uh, but also having this kind of strategic mindset. Awesome. So you're a full-scale business all by yourselves, from research to design to delivery. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Why don't you start off by telling us, what's a... What's a typical design process for one of the lifts that we climb into? That's a good good question. I, I think it follows pretty much the uh, industry standards in a way that the, um, the um, design process is what you have in, in other research and development environments. So, of course, we start from the inside, inside of the customer and inside of the user need and, and, and then... Uh, developing concepts, prototyping those with the customers te- uh, and, and users and, and testing out that was it really the thing what they wanted and uh, it goes to the implementation. And in brief, when we are in the global uh, business, then uh, this kind of um, uh, like local variations are, are good to understand. So uh, everything should be uh, thought uh, from the local needs point of view, but then globalize it uh, uh, somehow, productize the, the solutions so that uh, we, we are able to adapt to those local needs. Uh, when we when you think about the users of the uh, uh, lifts, also the, uh, you can 
think that there are quite many many of us who are using the lift so uh, millions and millions of users uh, which are coming from different backgrounds uh, uh, from different cultures yeah and i guess many times the the lift is not that important to people they they don't really uh, want to be like their goal is not to just use the lift yeah exactly but they are Sorry. instead they are in a building which is some certain kind of building so for example a residential building and they're coming there and their goal is to get to their home or visiting their friend or or going in a retail center to to some yeah. shop so this so, these journeys are important part from the ux point of view uh, we are basing basing this uh, user journeys like in in other industries also and um, uh, of course then these touch points uh, something what we are focusing on and then making some solution uh, throughout the whole whole journey and then the journey has been actually from our point of view kind of extending uh, uh, later years quite much and and also uh, from the company point of view we are doing people flow solutions inside the building and also in between the buildings so also more than just the elevator what we are thinking of as a complete solution. Yeah, of course, because you've got the you've got the the interface you use to 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 trigger um, a part of the journey. But when I guess when you're planning um, the elevators and lifts in a building, then the 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 level of or the flow of people and the quantity of people at various stages across the entire journey is crucial for the for the experience of, well, has the lift worked to get me where I wanted in a timely fashion? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, at the, at the same time, we're interested in a user experience of a single person and how it how easy and smooth it is for one person to, to use an elevator in a building. But at the same time, we need to be thinking about like the, the all the people in the building and how, how when they are in a crowd coming in or moving in between the floors, how smoothly it, that goes. So we need to tackle these both kind of problems. Yeah, I love how, how complicated you now are describing <laughs> that this process is, because now you're realizing it's not just a box with buttons, is it? Because that's what always, you, seem, you always think that, is, it's a box with buttons. How, how different can it be? Yeah. But then you're talking about localized versions, flows. You're saying that basically the elevator is like Google. You don't really want to use Google. You want to find what Google gives you. You want to go somewhere else. So I, I see the elevators now as being the Google, uh, the physical physical representation of Google. So, but why are we so upset with elevators then yeah. in the UX industry? Is they, I mean, is it common for is it common for people to be upset in general, or is it something that you think designers especially uh, are when it comes to these? physical objects can you actually elaborate more that what are you upset most oh you don't want, don't set us off no oh. i see you get the you get a list shoot well it's usually but usually it's just just that simple the thing we look at is the interface with the buttons uh, and sometimes the interface is outside the elevators. You walk inside the elevator and you go, oh my God, I forgot to press the floor. Why would it be outside? Why is it the same everywhere? Why are some buttons placed horizontally and not vertically? Why are the numbers different? Why is the 13 missing but it's on where it should have been a 12, but it should have been open the four? It's just, 
there are so many ways the buttons can go wrong. And sometimes there's this close lift or closed close doors button. Sometimes that doesn't make it any shorter in time. It's, it's just a dead button that people press. Yeah, sometimes which, you go into the elevator and you can't see screens because they're placed at an angle which is not visible from the entire lift. Mm. There's this, this, it kind of feels like there's always something when you go into an elevator to, so that mm. kind of triggers your UX spider sense. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess one, one aspect is also that at the same time we have those new systems and user interfaces and then we have those elevators that are 100 years old and we have all these at the same time so the the whole technology is not like changing so rapidly as you might see in in other industries as well so we are seeing like all the stages and all the from like tr different tryouts that there has been throughout the years at the same time. And then you just have to uh, like uh, switch between those different ways of interacting with the elevator. Yeah, I mean, the, how long is the, how long, sorry, um, how long is the kind of normal lifespan of, a, of an elevator interface in, in one that's installed? That's one core question, I think, in this, like, like uh, um, when we think about the life cycle, then, Earlier, uh, the lifespan of the lift has been um, much longer. Like uh, it can be, you can find those 100-year-old um, lifts in use. Of course, they are they might be modernized and so on. Um, but when when like also buildings are changing in a faster and faster uh, pace uh, nowadays. So like offices are turned into hotels or vice versa, or, or then the um, offices needs to be uh, uh, renovated more frequently, then also this um, solution should be much more modular so that we are able to keep up with the uh, user and customer needs so that the tenants who are moving in, they are able to get their um, service levels right. And, and so, uh, but, but coming back to this, uh, uh, um, standard uh, solution, which you were, in a way, uh, referring to earlier, that uh, that why, why there is so many uh, variants uh, uh, when we think also globally. Uh, there are these kind of um, local standards which are already setting the, some rules for the interfaces that what kind of indications needs to be in with, with what kind of uh, uh, technology and uh, in w what location of the building. So the, the, they are varying a little bit and uh, they are also uh, making it difficult to have just one one interface which, which uh, fits for all. But then, then again, like the code based solutions also they are not necessarily the, the best solutions they are standardized but then there are huge usability issues in those so uh, um, uh, but when you are making a code compliant solution like customer may want to have that because that, that's in a way good for good for all for uh, uh, Anyway, setting some sort of uh, bar for the accessibility issues and um, um, somehow inclusive solutions. Um, but you could do so much better when you can go beyond those standards. And that's in a way the dilemma what we are uh, often 
facing that the customer needs and user needs are actually something more than these uh, standard solutions uh, are able to uh, fulfill. And uh, yeah, yeah, and many many times the 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 codes are for all the buildings, and I would like to more see how how to respond to the user needs of of different uh, building segments. So, for example, in the in the office, if you work there every day and you go there every day, you're optimizing your routes, you're taking the shortcuts. So you want totally different kinds of information than, for example, when you're in a hotel and then you try to find your hotel room and and you haven't been there before. So it's it's totally different thing. And these codes are trying to get all the different kinds of buildings to like like have a one solution that fits all and it has to be a compromise in some sort. Do you get chance to work with the implementation projects? I mean, it's, it's one thing designing the, the kind of global solutions, but do you, do you get to, to you know, work closely with the people who are actually going to do the final details of the will if that's going to be in the building? Yeah, sometimes uh, we are working more closely and then sometimes uh, more distantly, but it's always good to uh, have some piloting cases where you where you are really seeing the uh, reality. And, and, and of course, we are doing lots of site visits, like we were now uh, uh, popping in in China, for example, and, and then you see the reality that w- w- what are those, where are those actually placed and, and how they uh, function. But I mean, we talk a lot about, um, in, in the web design world, we're talking a lot about um, um, design systems and style guides and, and so on. I mean, do you do you provide a, a design system for implementation teams? That's a good question. Yeah, uh, I think that um, those are provided and um, uh, by the implementation teams. Uh, um, um, yeah, the processes are, are are quite complex in this kind of uh, building industry, and that. Um, um, but um, um, yes, there are uh, guidelines for that. How things should be installed and, and what kind of configurations you have and, uh, and so on. Um, of course, the most important thing probably uh, for this uh, solution is that, that what kind of decisions the customer has made. And in building industry, the, the, it may take years uh, to really have the building in use uh, after the planning session. So the, the uh, initial plan might have come from developer who has then uh, subcontracted uh, constructor uh, who have selected uh, based on some rules the, um, or parameters the, the solution. And if it's not an educated uh, choice that there would be also the user's point of view taken, then it might be something that you get angry with as a user because the, the um, customer who uh, make the choice may not ever even step into that ready-made building and uh, th- therefore it might be quite distant distant for, for them and, and it's really important to um, uh, share the knowledge of the user's needs and, and, and make better solutions and and then of course the installation on on site then um, um, makes the final touch 
to that, that we, we, we get good system running. This makes me think of when, when Jared Spool is saying that everyone is a designer. I mean, you can only go so far, but then somebody else has to interpret what you're giving them if you're giving them these guidelines. And then years have passed and people don't think that it's important anymore, maybe. And, and then so maybe it really comes down to how well are you able to communicate to the people who actually install it. In it, the end. it is really important communication in general. Uh, because, uh, uh, yeah, uh, people have different point of views and they, they may be experts uh, on one, one side. And, and um, it's, it's in the building industry, there are uh, tough regulations of the, of the responsibilities and, and those are definitely something that they need to think of. But then this user, user needs uh, that you could, in a way, increase the quality of, of the uh, user experience. Uh, maybe often or sometimes um, nice to have uh, in that point when you are making a decision and there is in the other other uh, end the quality or the uh, uh, cost or or easiness of installation or um, durability or uh, vandal proofness or something like that then uh, there are lots of um, things to consider uh, uh, from the um, responsibility point of view. You did talk about pilots and uh, how do you even do research around a specific design? I mean, do you have buildings where you test the... Oh, elevator? I hope they say that they've got giant cardboard boxes and yeah. they lift cardboard boxes <laughs> around. <laughs> oh. That would be so oh, cool. I would love the cardboard boxes. <laughs> We actually have a test shaft in uh, uh, Tuturi, which is 300 meters, and but it goes below the ground. In Finland, everything is quite flat here, but it's uh, also we are we are testing out different user interfaces, or different could be just different icons or different parts of user interfaces. So it's not always the the like real functioning setup, but then. As well, we have these kind of pilot sites where we go and observe and, and we might just like otherwise try to understand better certain kind of uh, building segment. So go in different kinds of, for example, the shopping centers to see how people are moving there and what kind of things are affecting them. And then lots of so, prototyping, prototyping, uh, and you can set up those kind of environments also in, in uh Odd places, uh, but but it, it really helps to to get further with the development. And then, of course, uh, uh, talking about the, the uh, research, then these kind of um, uh, trends, uh, like mega trends, and, and understanding of the of where the urban life is going to, and what does this technology technological disruptions uh, uh, make uh, and, and, and of course those needs to be then thought locally and globally like to understand that yeah because of course if you're if, you, if you're in a situation like you guys that you um, when you're when when a building starts to exist it's, it's in the planning stage and it can exist as plans for for 
two, three years, as you said, before you even decide which lift manufacturer is going to be involved on the project to deliver the solution. So you guys, I guess, have got to be always at least three to five years ahead yeah. in, what, in what solutions you're thinking about, because the buildings that you're going to put them in are three or five years forward. Yeah, exactly. And at some point, there might be some uh, modernizations. So you might modernize different parts of an elevator. So so it's not just about the the elevator car that you see. There might be many things modernized on the background. But then as well, you could be modernizing the user interfaces. And then, of course, it's not so big cycle. But that's true that it's Many times, years before, when when our when these plans are made of how it should look, so it's yeah challenging and and like also being realistic of of that that we, you cannot know that <laughs> what is going to happen in in a couple of years nowadays it's even harder um, so um, in a way making platforms and, and modular systems which enable these kind of um, adjustments afterwards, like upgrade or uh, update, uh, then maybe wiser to, and maybe more uh, future-proof than um, uh, try to do something uh, which is somehow emerging currently uh, and, and uh, might not be that... might, might be... Uh, still somehow um, having maybe diseases when, when, when it's uh, uh, out in the market. Exactly. So, but what, what are the trends? What, what do you talk about at these uh, high-tech uh, elevator conferences? What's happening in the future? Because I imagine all these elevators greeting me with good morning and using my name and knowing beforehand what floor I want to go to because that's the floor I usually go to. And I mean, how, how, where, where are we headed? Uh, these businesses are changing, like, like you know uh, very well, um, that, that, for example, um, in retail, uh, the shopping centers are having a different role than uh, earlier they used to be. So, for example, companies like Amazon are changing the way people are buying, buying things. So uh, these shopping centers are more like uh, uh, social hubs. Uh, hotels need to have more and more experiences uh, to, to entertain, uh, entertain or make their uh, guests' life uh, convenient. And um, uh, offices are <laughs> more like a mindset than, than spaces. So the, it's quite mobile, mobile world. Uh, where we are heading to and uh, where we are now also having these kind of telecalls or video conferences are, are pretty easy <laughs> nowadays but yeah uh, I think you are you are pretty um, up to date of the of the trends uh, uh, what, what's happening in technological side so those are of course considered in our our business also I've got at least two more questions that I've got to pose to you guys. Um, one of them is, when, when you were uh, interviewed for your jobs, did you have to do the infamous Google 1,000-floor elevator challenge? 
What is you that? You don't know what it is. Okay, so it's one of these. It's one of these. It's an infamous design um, design challenge that Google gives to um, to people during the interview, where they they pose the questions like, "You've got to design um, an elevator interface for a building with a thousand floors." So if you if you search <laughs> if you search if you search for that, there's just there's thousands of articles and people have have done these challenges and come up with interfaces. Mm. All right. Maybe I should suggest that we could have that next next time. But there, if there are good good uh, solutions already available, then yeah. But yeah, no, I didn't have that. Did you have Reta? <laughs> I would be just observing the the different kinds of user interfaces that people are making and and pointing out things how to improve mm. them. I've I've not actually myself done the thousand floor elevator challenge. Um, but um, it, it does sound wonderfully mean to ask someone to design something which is almost certainly impossible. I have done a variant of it actually at an adaptive path uh, uh, course in, in Berlin where they gave us constraints as we were going along in the workshop. So yeah, build the elevator interface. No, now it has to be a thousand floors. So they changed it all the time. They changed mm. other things as well. So it made it more and more difficult. Yeah, I would be interesting on like, which kind of building is mm. this? What do we know about the users mm. there? What do we know about the floors? What different things are there in different floors? How people are thought that how would they use this building? Where, how are they coming to that building? What are they doing in between those days when they are there or, or the hours or, or minutes? Uh, those... Why do they yeah. come here? Some of the lifts, uh, which have 100 floors, you may enter in three of those, the top one and a couple of from, from the ground side. So it could be also asked that, do you need to enter all of those floors? So, so you've, you've both got the job, basically, because one of the things that I don't like about that challenge is that it just dives straight into the interaction design and, and doesn't consider what we as UXers would think of the important... Um, understandings, the, the important bits of information we need to know about the situation in order to design it. Mm. Mm. I had another question, and that was I've, I've been asked to ask this one. The, the pair mentioned at the beginning, and it was the door closing, door opening buttons, right? <laughs> yeah. The whole thing about whether they're real or not. <laughs> and and someone actually posted a picture of a of a of one where the 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 um, closed doors button had fallen off, revealing it was just stuck on. So, oh. so I, I, I'd like you two to, to put this Lovely. finally to sleep and say, the closed door button, does it work? You know, it's, it's surprising uh, uh, that how commonly it is used in, in China, for example, that how fast they find it and how, uh, uh, how passionate they are uh, using it. So uh, in, in Europe, I don't, I don't see that kind of uh, 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 passion like in, in, in China. Which is interesting. Uh, mm. This um, already this mindset of maybe this kind of impatience uh, in in the, those situations then uh, makes it actually really important. But yeah, uh, uh, for designing for those buttons, I think you you need to think of the overall context and the more holistic holistic uh, approach than just the. Um, uh, the the button itself, but but yeah, uh, it would be nice that it's it's somehow adapting to the context. So so that you are avoiding. <laughs> <the rest laughs> <of the internet. laughs> 
I think in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to worry about doors closing or opening buttons because everything would be understandable and easy. So if there are people coming who need to come to an elevator, then the doors will stay open. And if they're all set, then they can go. And nobody feels like they are left outside an elevator that they wanted to take. But Nice. So, you guys are so good at your jobs because what you're basically saying then is that that even the people feel that there's a need for such a button is a design failure. Yeah, I think that the need is somewhere else than getting the, the door yeah. closed or open. I, I think the need is not to be rude to people so that the doors will get closed in front of them. I think the the need is to, to go along with your friend if you're going even if you're going to separate floors so that you can go there together. I think the need is that if I have been standing here for a quite a long time I it would be really nice to get the elevator and go to my I think it's really nice that you see you 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 brought up the cultural aspect or brought us back to the cultural aspect that that in some cultures um, that get on with it close the doors is a much more important part of the experience yeah. than than it would be in other cultures and it's understandable also and, and it, another... it, it, there is no right or wrong but but in a way would be nice to even though we wouldn't Uh, been that perfect world like Reta was uh, describing but uh, that uh, if there would be this kind of um, moment that you see somebody is coming uh, to the lift and the door starts uh, uh, closing and then you who are in in the lift uh, are able to quickly just open the door and you are you are the hero who is friendly uh, and opening for that, that <laughs> person who is coming in and it's in a way magical moment what you can have uh, uh, in the lift so oh we've even got the story arc for a story arc now for elevators that's lovely it's somehow uh, still somehow humane to have have these kind of uh, features there uh, for surprising moments Features for surprising. I love that ending. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for, for joining us. I mean, I've learned a lot today. <laughs> Thanks a lot for this. Thanks this was for great. having us. I have to say, I so enjoyed uh, talking to Rieta and Yussi because I had, I mean, I, I mean, you can imagine stuff, but because you and I talk about elevators <laughs> so much and the people in the design industry talk about elevators so much, but you never think about that it is the exact, of course, same design process that we all use. But then there are all these challenges that we don't have, like the life cycle and, and the process of actually getting them from paper to being implemented, with, like saying two to three years, and staying ahead and predicting the future because what you design today will live on for so many years in the future. And I think we actually, more even in the digital design industry, should learn from that and be prepared to build stuff that will have a longer uh, well, yeah, cycle I mean, of yeah, life. This is, this is more um, traditional um, product design or, or kind of, yeah, not digital design, but at the same time, it does have digital elements. But I, I mean, I've, mm. I've suspected that one of the challenges with lifts was the, the, the life cycle aspect. Uh, you know, you know that... Yeah, and so, and you know, so many people being involved across. That yeah, I mean, so. we know that from you know, you go into an old building here in Stockholm, some of the lovely buildings from you know almost a hundred years ago, and they're they're fantastic lifts, but um, mm. you know they're still there, and they still have the same yeah. interface as they did, well, yeah. some of them from the beginning, uh, or they've maybe been changed out in the you know maybe forty years ago or something. But you know, there's yeah. such huge 
time scales that we're involved in, which is one aspect. But then, as we as we brought up there, that um, you know, when when a building's drawn by someone, an architect, then you know, some of the big buildings, this can be several years before um, they even start putting a spade into the ground and and digging foundations. Right, and even then, the building plans change, and even who the tenant of that building is will change. So even the research will be wrong based on if they they get the tenant wrong. Because, I mean, I hadn't thought about all the differences that are between, I mean, shopping centers, office buildings, residential buildings, hotels. And then Yussi was saying, well, how people actually uh, move around in a shopping center is changing now because they're now they're more social hubs and people are having coffee rather than shopping as much as they did before because they do so much shopping online. So even that affects the design of the elevator. That so kind of blew you, my you, mind. You, are you confessing now that you didn't think about context when it came to, to using lifts? Yeah, not not enough, yeah. not enough. Not th- not that the, that the, they're thinking about how shopping center behavior changes across years in the future, and that's that will affect the design of the elevator. Yeah. In critical ways. obviously, I mean, hotels is one of those challenges where you've got um, mm-hmm. there you've got an international context in a, in many hotels, but um, a, a local culture who is building the hotel. So, so that's exactly. that's a that's that's a challenge. Mm. I, I, I was surprised actually. Mm. I think there's a I think there's a business opportunity here for for Con. That mm. uh, I was surprised about how they weren't regularly involved. It sounded as as being like consultants in the the planning stages in the in the architect stages. Because I mean, we you know we we talked about right. being you know we always talk about being included early on, and the more the more various competencies you mm. include in a project earlier, the more increased mm. chance of success you have, and. Here they lifted up one of the challenges being that you know by the time they the implementation comes to happen, um, they're impl- implementing modules, a modular-based um, transport system, and and right. their design work has been done and their research has been done long before as a module thing. Whereas you know, if they could come in in the planning stage and sit in some of those meetings and talk to them and say, well, you know, if you if you move the elevator there or do this there or think about this floor or do that, then mm. um, then maybe that's going to be more successful or maybe they do do it we just didn't ask the right question um, yeah exactly we didn't have a no. long enough interview uh, but also I'm, I, I'm thinking that this interview will actually help me describe what I do to other people because it's so easy for people to relate to elevators so describing the process in the sense that it relates to the process I'm working with will make people understand this is how we work and I mean even uh, when UC was talking about modular systems, and that's one way of solving this long life cycle problem, that relates to atomic design and Brad Frost for me. And even, do I want the elevator to know my name? Do I want the elevator to speak to me? And that's GDPR, that's ethics. I mean, everything can be related to some part of what we're doing in the digital world mm. as well. It's really interesting. Uh, and I loved how, how Reta was saying that the, the door close button mm. that you were asking about it's actually the wrong solution to a problem that should be solved in another way. Potentially, yes. Yeah, the, the, the lift should be uh, yeah. the lift should have more empathy, uh, as in as exactly. in more more feeling for the situation, mm. and, and you know, like not to close the right. door on your friend as your friend is walk, you know coming up to the lift to join you in it to go up to your apartment or something. This um, mm. oh, there's a lot of wonderful aspects um, to mm. to this, uh, but I think uh, mm. you know. We all we talk about experiments and pushing out experiments and, and um, you know getting things in the browser quickly. Um, you know here, yes, okay, they've got a, a test shaft. I mean, wouldn't you love to have a test shaft pair? But <laughs> but, but you know when 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 their experiments uh, you know go out, 
they're they're not just switched with an A-B. It's not an A-B test. You don't A-B test elevators. Um, you don't kind of like switch it out after two weeks to something else. Okay, you can change the software. But some of the hardware side of stuff, mm. I mean, it's not going to be possible to, to, to alter, as we said, for maybe 40 years or more. Right. Sam, that's a, that's, that's a fascinating challenge. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, that's why you was talking about modular systems. Yes. We actually can change hardware. Uh, and that's when I realized also, of course, and they're probably using some buttons uh, they're using. They're using them because they have some over uh, the builders. Because, I mean, it's cheaper to use something that's already there that you have already bought than to use the design solution. Yeah. In, in some cases. Yeah, yeah you're, you're exactly. Yeah. This, is a, um, yeah. this is the thing where... Mm. Because they've gone modular, and because mm. you've got um, constructors who are going to be fitting an actual fitters who are actually putting the lift in in place, yeah. they're going to have this box of Lego, and so they're they're taking design design decision. They're making design decisions at that point as well. Mm. So there's another opportunity for Cohen to do some consulting work. They can come in there and kind of usability test the elevators at the end. I would love myself to do a usability test of elevators. So. Ring it, <laughs> ring in if you want us to go out and test your elevator. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. We should actually have people call in and, and ask for stuff like that. <laughs> Please subscribe to the show if you don't already. And feel free to dip your toes into our back catalogue. Links related to this episode um, will be on uxpodcast.com if you can't reach them from wherever you're listening now. And um, we also send them out as part of our backstage email. So you can sign up for that at uxpodcast.com slash backstage. Thank you for spending some time with us. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. Who's there? Mike Sniffer Pippets. Mike Sniffer Pippets who? Oh, come on. How many Mike Sniffer Pippets do you know? Now let me in. It's cold out here. <laughs>